Good morning, Bemidji. Yep, I'm in Bemidji. <laughs> Good morning, Bemidji, and other beautiful cities all around the world. My name is Lavia Alva, and I'm an extreme extrovert. So today I got done with rehab. Um, sorry if there is a lot of noise. Um, just because I am out and um, it's also very windy today. So um, if you know, if you hear a lot of um, outside noise on my podcast, I really do apologize in advance. Um, but it is important to me to um, put this out, this podcast out there. So I've been in Bemidji on my solo trip for about four days now, and um, still continuing my rehabilitation, and it's just been a very interesting journey. Um, let me, if for those who probably don't know uh, much about uh, Bemidji, um, let me tell you. It's a very, very, very <laughs> small town. I um, I got to the airport and um, I got dropped off at the airport. And for me, um, being from Minneapolis, Minneapolis is not a big city. When you think of like a big city, you think like LA, you think of um, Las Vegas, you know, somewhere that's like really big, really popping. Stuff like that. Um, and But Minneapolis is definitely bigger than Bemidji. And um, has a lot more um, different kind of people, I guess. And so when I got here on the 1st and I got um, to the airport, I realized pretty quick um, that the airport was really, really small. <laughs> it only has like one uh, terminal area, you know. And, uh, it, I don't know. Um, for me, small towns are very interesting because I personally am a city person. And, uh, yes, I grew up, I grew up in a suburb around Minneapolis. I grew up in Columbia Heights. Columbia Heights is, um, probably, ooh, I haven't driven in a long time, so I don't really remember. But it's, like, maybe a 15, 20 minute drive from the city May not even it's it's maybe even faster than that. It's maybe like ten minutes. Um, if you take the bus, it's um, approximately like twenty minutes. It's not it's not really that far at all. Um, and so when I say that I'm from Minneapolis, I basically grew up in Minneapolis because I was in Minneapolis most of my life, most of my young life. Um, just kind of messing around, you know, with my friends and all this crap. And, uh, it's just been a very interesting journey. I've been learning a lot of, about the history, about Bemidji, and the people that, um, used to inhabit this area. I like learning about history, I really do, but sometimes history is kind of sad, you know? Because, like, there's wars, there's violence, there's, um, dictatorship, all that crap. Um... <laughs> I, I'm tending to say a lot of crap. I've noticed crap, 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 crap. I'm not going to say that anymore. Anyway. So the reason why I'm um, talking about this podcast is because today in rehabilitation, we talked about um, what we should do to avoid um, relapses. Um, early on in, re- in rehab, it's really easy to relapse. And I understand this. Um, when I used to relapse, which I didn't realize I was relapsing 
in the first uh, years of my recovery, um, it was very easy for me to complete about 30 to 40 days of sobriety. And then there would become a time where I would like binge drink and do all this crap. Oh God, here I go. Okay, sorry, sorry, I'm done. All right, um, but okay. Let me take one second to refocus here. Sorry. So in early recovery, it's really easy to relapse. And I did not realize, like before I went to rehabilitation, that I was actually kind of in a cycle of relapse. And I would complete 30 to 40 days of sobriety easily. And then after that, I would go and have a drink or five or ten, you know, because I was an alcoholic. I am an alcoholic. And it's interesting because when I first um, put forth this effort and was like, okay, In my life, I want to surround myself with, like, positive people. I want to surround myself with positive experiences. And I want to prioritize my mental health and my well-being. And alcohol is just in the way. The substance itself is not a problem. But how it reacts to my body is the problem. I was always envious of people that could have one drink and then be done. That was never me. Um, I, I was in denial for so many years. I, I was in denial and I was like, oh, um, one day I'm going to master this skill. You know, it was, it was always me trying to, um, become a person that I honestly probably never will be. I always wanted to be that kind of person that just had a one glass of wine at lunch and then just was done. For me, that just doesn't happen. And, um, some people, like, in regards to not only alcohol, but other kind of drugs too, other people, they react to, um, things differently. I used to have an ex that, um, every time he smoked marijuana, he would become violent. And that's, that's different for most people. Like, for me, um, which obviously I'm on sobriety, so I can't engage in any of those things, but, like, if... I were to like smoke like a marijuana, I personally wouldn't become violent. If I drink a few drinks, oh, absolutely. My ass is going to be mean. Um, That's just what that substance does to me in my particular system. And I'm just done with being in denial. I'm just done trying to be this person that I wanted to be. And it's personally really hard for me um, emotionally kind of to accept that I'm that kind of person just because as a young person um, when I first started drinking my first drink was a long 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 time ago and I feel like it wasn't all bad at first but I I just realized that as a younger person, I had different things that I was going through. I had different life experiences. Um, When I was about 17 years old, I was homeless. 
I was homeless, and I, you know, my my father, he returned to his own country, and I just felt very alone. I felt very um, left behind. I felt kind of excluded when my parents decided to leave me and leave me in this country, in the United States. I just felt abandoned so much that it hurt me a lot and when I evolved into my adult life that that really kind of stuck with me like my heart became stone I didn't want to be a vulnerable person I didn't want to be a person where I would feel that vulnerability again because of my my parents, I thought that my parents were going to love me all of my life. I thought that they were guaranteed to care for me all my life. And the act of them leaving me behind in the United States and Minnesota just made me feel like I was not worth of that kind of commitment and that kind of love. And I know now that that's not true. It took me uh, many years to accept this. You know, and like when we go through heartbreak, when we go through something that we lost, maybe a friend or maybe like a family member or maybe even a lover, sometimes we often think that there is something wrong with us, like something wrong with ourselves. And the thing is, that's not the truth. The, the truth is, everyone is a different kind of person. Everyone has different kind of goals. Everyone has total um different ambitions and my my father and my mother they had different ambitions they wanted to live you know start a new life um my my father um he wanted a different kind of life he wanted a different family my my mom wanted romance and it's important I think to realize that it's okay to be hurt. It's okay to feel the feelings that you feel. And I just shunned all of these emotions aside because I was like, I was, how do I explain it? You know how when you, when you're like, so crushed by something it's almost like the opposite you know how like if someone breaks your heart and you're just like you're like instead of crying and like you know being like i don't know trying to cope with the heartbreak you're just like fuck you know you try to act like a strong person you're like you know what screw you i don't i don't care what you think blah blah blah. like masking all these emotions and i realized that i was doing that even with myself, I was in, I was invalidating a lot of my emotions and a lot of my feelings. And as an adult, I've known that this is important. It's important to stand up for yourself because if you don't stand up for yourself, no one will. Some people will and you're blessed, but some people won't. And you have to be the kind of person that's going to stand up for yourself, you know? And this is the kind of person that I want to be in my life. It's so cliche because, like, you know, the new year happened and everyone's like, Oh, by 2020, you know, 2021, 
you know, we're gonna like, this year's gonna be blah 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 or whatever people want to say, right? And this year, I didn't even make a resolution. Every year I was like, that. I was that like idealistic person that was like, oh, I'm gonna make a resolution, I'm gonna party, I'm gonna have fun, I'm gonna like act like this is so amazing. For me, this is not amazing. <laughs> I'm not gonna go party and I'm not gonna go drink. Like, I'm not going to go dance and I'm not going to pretend like this whole new year is something that's new for me. It's another year, thank God. <laughs> I'm I'm blessed that I made it another year. I'm happy. But it's okay if I, you know, don't engage in those kind of activities. It's okay if I'm not jumping for joy <laughs> for this. And I know some people obviously probably feel the same way as I do. It's just been uh, an emotional roller coaster um, with rehab. I, I've started to make small steps on being honest with people. Um, as a young person, my, my parents were really strict. They were really strict and um, I got really good at lying. I got really, really good at lying um, over stupid shit. You know when you're young and you maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe you go to the grocery store and buy a candy or do something that it's not necessarily wrong, but you know that your parents wouldn't approve. Or you go to your friend's house and you maybe watch an R-rated movie. You know, childish shit like that. It's not wrong, but you know that it's wrong. And you know that your parents are not going to like it. So as a young person, I really started to lie. You know, like, what did you do at your friend's house? And instead of saying, oh, you know, we watched a movie. Like, it was an R-rated movie. I'd be like, oh, we just went to the park. And little things like that started to accumulate in my life. You know, and whenever I felt uncomfortable, I, I noticed that I would make stuff up. Why? Because it was more comforting to tell someone a lie that they wanted to hear than to be honest about what I actually was doing. And in rehab, it just really has pushed me outside of my comfort zone because when I feel upset about stuff or if I feel overwhelmed, I usually hide it. I usually take hold it in because I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to be vulnerable. I don't want people to view me like that kind of person. And it's it's just something that I've really learned <laughs> about myself so far. And I just I'm sick and tired of being ashamed. I feel like when you're an addict or when people like, you know, view you as someone that has kind of an issue with like alcohol or any kind of substance, it's demeaning. It's it's embarrassing. It's shameful. And 
even though it's contradictory, because I feel like on my podcasts, I'm always like, I'm going to do this. And like, I'm, you know, I'm not ashamed. And the thing is, there is a tiny bit of me that is still ashamed. I'm ashamed that I can't, you know, go out with my friends and do the same things that I could do. I'm ashamed (laughs) that I had to go to rehab. But I'm not going to devalue... I don't even know how to say it, but I'm just not going to... push the new emotions that I'm feeling aside. And that's why I think it's really important to talk about um, relapse prevention. One thing that I really learned today um, is that even though you... (laughs) There will be days. Someone will die. Someone will say some shit. Somebody will cheat on you. Something that is not planned will happen. And... It will trigger you like nobody else's business. You know, it's the easy route to go. And I think that anybody that's going through recovery like me, or if anybody's not, like, maybe it's something else going on in your life. But remembering those things that you can do when you're just feeling really overwhelmed with life. And one thing that I thought is was really helpful. A few things that were really helpful, actually. <sighs> All through my um, recovery, someone has always, every at least a few people have told me to create yourself a safe space. Uh, me, I, I've had a past um, issue with dissociation. People that don't know what dissociation is, it means like, you know when, um, like if you're getting abused like physically or sexually or verbally, sometimes your brain just kind of like floats somewhere else, you know, so that you don't feel um, what's actually happening to you. And this is a phenomenal thing. This is an amazing thing because your brain does this so that you, that it can protect itself. But once you're out of a abusive situation and you're in a healthier relationship or like in a healthier situation in life I personally was still stuck in that notion and I had to re-learn myself like I had to reteach myself <laughs> sorry I sometimes I can't talk I had to reteach myself that you know, you don't have to dissociate, you know, to feel safe. Um, you can be in the moment and you can... And alcohol for me was a safe way to dissociate. It was an excuse to dissociate. Um, it was a place that I could feel emotionally safe. And I realized that you can do other things. Um... More like meditation. Meditation is not like association. Association is when you're walking, you're physically doing something else, and your brain is something else. It's somewhere else. Meditation and like going to your safe space. A safe space is like going to your room and listening to music. A safe space is like going for a walk. 
Um, a safe space is like maybe taking a deep breath and thinking about the beautiful mountains or the beautiful lake or whatever you like to imagine. Somewhere that you've been that just feels safe and warm. Maybe it, it's somebody's like touch. Maybe it's the way that your mother hugs you. Maybe it's something like that. That really sometimes helps um, me personally when I feel overwhelmed um, with emotion. I just kind of take a few deep breaths, close my eyes, and just imagine myself in Tucson. I imagine myself on Yellowstone when I walk the rocks. Um, When I go to Segovia, Segovia is a beautiful town in Spain. And I just remember looking at the castles and I just remember how amazing I felt. How beautiful things were. Um, And are. Um, When I'm in Minneapolis, sometimes I think and go to Bade Makaska. Bade Makaska always makes me feel calm. And I like to watch the sailboats if I'm not sailing myself. Just to get out of the emotions and out of that cycle. Another thing that I had learned um, from someone that was important to me was um, using a imagery that you find um, kind of pleasant. Preferably an animal. Like, for example, like, a, like your pet or your dog or a bunny or some animal that's really cute, really fuzzy, really nice. When you get a lot of anxiety, you know, just thinking of the picture and just being like putting yourself in the animal's shoes. I know this sounds strange, but if you have so much anxiety, just like imagining. We'll just say a bunny, right? Um, a bunny is fuzzy. All he does in his life is he eats carrots. He eats grass. When you get flashbacks um, of someone abusing you or stuff like that. It's sometimes nice to look at the picture and just put yourself in the animal's shoes. Like, what is he doing? He, he's not being abused. You know, the bunny, like, in his life, he's, he's just eating grass. He's enjoying the outside. He's enjoying the carrots. He's relaxing. He's a fuzzy animal. He's, he's warm. He's happy. And just putting yourself in their shoes kind of helps with anxiety, too. Physical, like, being physically active. Taking walks. For me, that clears my brain like nobody's business. Sometimes I walk for so long... Yesterday I walked with one of my friends for an hour and we walked the hour back. Like it just felt so nice to just kind of enjoy walking and just being present in the moment. Because it's hard sometimes. It's hard sometimes when you have a flashback of something and you get all these emotions in your chest. But just remembering that those emotions what's actually going around you you're just like for example right now right now i'm surrounded by the beautiful lakes all i hear are the cars driving by the snow is beautiful it's shiny and the air is warm 
sometimes you have a flashback, like, you know, someone's uh, hurting you. And you just have to close your eyes and say, wait, what is going on with me right now? I, my emotions are telling me something and my brain is telling me something and my body is telling me something. But what is happening right now? Because I know that right now in this very moment, I'm safe. Right now in this very moment, I'm okay. I know at this very moment, I have nothing to worry about. The air is warm. The snow is beautiful. The lake is frozen over. There are people walking downtown Bemidji. I see the birds and I see the trees. There is no reason for me to be this this um, alert and this fearful. You know what I mean? Because right now, I'm not being abused. I'm not hurt. And I think that it's just very important to still validate emotions and to validate experiences, but also to move on. And in regards to sobriety, it's funny because in the beginning, I used to have such an emotional drive to drink. And when I say emotional drive, I mean like whenever I felt like something was slightly off, I would be like, oh, fuck it, let me go get a drink, you know? Like I was like, I'm just going to do this to fix the quick fix. And I've noticed through therapy that these little tiny steps for me, I'm starting to, whenever I feel that feeling, I'm starting to say, hey, I'm okay. Like, what can I do instead? And for me, I'm very proud of myself for that. Um, you know, people might look down on you, you know, say like, oh, <laughs> you're old and, you know, you're, you're almost 30. You should get this figured out by now. But honestly, I'm very proud of myself. Because I've realized that I'm, I'm, my brain is starting to make healthier connections. Yeah, sometimes it's hard. Yes, sometimes you still want to drink. Sometimes you still want your substance. But I, I, I promise you, it's going to get better. Today I woke up. I felt irritated. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go on the lake. I'm going to listen to music. I talked to my therapy. I completed my therapy today and I just I just felt accomplished like being sober today and like one thing that my counselor and my therapist and you know my addiction counselors they keep on telling me they're like you know what if you can't stay sober for a week think about it right now like can you be sober for a for an hour can you be sober for a day can you be sober for this time making a little 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 things for yourself because I have to admit I've pretty much drank my whole entire life and for me to think that I would never drink again is overwhelming that's scary um all the years that I like grew up in bars like making really good 
like connections, making my friends. Those were happy times in my life. Um, and like everything, not everything can last forever. Not everything is going to last forever. Not everything is always going to be the same. And so, just realizing that, you know, having those associations with your feelings. You know, I felt the safest when I was at the bar with my friends when I was homeless. When I when my parents were gone, I felt very happy being in a situation that I was in. But that's a very temporary fix. And because my life, you know, I I got an education and I'm, you know, making more money and doing more things and traveling farther places, some things are just not worth hanging on to. And it's it's okay so to have a fear of change. I feared change a lot in my life. Actually, I used to hate change. I was the sensitive person where if, you know, one person moved, like, from my friend group, I was just devastated. I had an unhealthy attachment style. Even today in recovery, um, one of the people in my rehab, they graduated. And I could just feel myself, like, having that attachment style. Like, feeling very overwhelmed and, like, sad because I was like, they're gone. And the thing is, they're not gone. They're they're moving on with their life. And I, I just remembered it just triggered something in my brain. Like, when people leave, it, it makes me feel like they'll never come back. And that's just something that I have learned about myself. And that's something that I have to learn to cope with. And I know that it's not always going to be like this. I know that. 100%. And the reason I know that is because even even now I can see some parts of myself changing. The fact that I am open about my emotions is so big for me. I talked to my partner and I talked to them about how I was truly feeling. I would have never done that. Ever. When I was in rehab and I had a relapse, as much as it hurt me so much to admit that I had fucked up, it took me a lot of work to get to that point, to being honest with a professional, to be honest with somebody about how I felt and what was going on. And I... And I really appreciate everyone that has been listening to my podcast because it's you guys that really helped me through this rough time. I really appreciate you listening and I I really appreciate everyone's support because sometimes it can feel lonely, but loneliness is a part of life. But also at the same time, I know that I'm not alone in this journey. There is a lot of people that are going through the same journey as me, if not similar. And I want everyone to know that you can do it. We will survive. 2021 is not going to kill us. (laughs) We can be 
mothers, we can be fathers, we can be teachers, we can be professionals, we can be athletes, we can be learners. We are successful. And just because you have an addiction or just because you have a disability or some kind of diagnosis that people might not understand, I want you to know that you're not alone because we can do this together. And if anything, I will be there with you. But <laughs> I do want to apologize for the sappy um <laughs> sappy podcast. Um now my next podcast will be more fun. Maybe uh something fun like in regards to the history of Bemidji or stuff that I've learned. I'm getting um my tattoo done tomorrow and um I have mixed emotions about it. It's it's like a tattoo kind of um based on my recovery through rehab and my sobriety and um the artist um what is it called? Arm sorry if I um say the name wrong <laughs> but um uh, by Mama Salter. I'm gonna look it up quick. Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm going to an artist here in Bemidji and um sorry here for a second. I'm gonna look up the tattoo place. It's called Your Mom's Tattoo A-T-E-L-I-E-R Atelier? L-L-C? Sorry, I can't, I can't fucking read. <laughs> but, um, that's the name. And, um, yeah, it's called Your Mom's Altelier? Altelier? <laughs> you know what I mean. It's in Bemidji, and this artist is really amazing, and um, she's gonna help me, you know, uh, design my tattoo, and this is just a very exciting time for me, and even though I got a lot of mixed emotions about it, I am very, very excited, um, to get it done tomorrow, and, um, you know, kind of acknowledge this journey in my life, and hopefully move on from here. So, thank you again, guys. Um, I will definitely <laughs> share a lighter podcast <laughs> next time. Um, but yes, um, I really do appreciate everybody and, um, you can do it guys. 2021, we can do another year. We'll survive. <laughs> um, I honestly love you guys and safest, safest, safest of travels.